Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, fellow travelers, I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist column for The Atlantic. And I'm Guy Winch. I wrote Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy column for TED. And this is Dear Therapist's. This week, a woman tries to forge a relationship with the younger brother she wasn't very nice to when they were children. It's very emotional to say that, yes, I was awful to have said that I wish you weren't born, you know, to a little kid like that. And I have said that I'm sorry. Listen in and maybe learn something about yourself in the process. Dear Therapist is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice, and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. By submitting a letter, you are agreeing to let iHeartMedia use it, in part or in full, and we may edit it for length and or clarity. Hey, Guy. This week we have a letter about some sibling stuff that's playing out in adulthood. Here's how it goes. Dear therapist, I'm a middle child and have two brothers. My older brother, John, and I are less than two years apart in age, and my younger brother, Blake, is five years younger than I am. We're all in our mid-30s now. John and I are good friends with similar sensibilities and interests. We always have a lot to talk about, politics, being parents, etc., Blake, for his whole life, has struggled with feeling unloved and resentful. We grew up in a household where there was scarce parental attention and we had vicious sibling rivalry. We were home alone from very young ages. Growing up, John and I could be emotionally cruel toward Blake, leaving him to play by himself, ignoring him, avoiding him, and so on. I cringe to tell you that I once told him I wished he had never been born. I didn't grow out of my resentment toward Blake until maybe age 11, at which point I treated him in a less dysfunctional manner. As adults, Blake and I have gone through phases of mutually enjoying each other's company, then being more distant. John was pretty indifferent toward Blake until his mid to late 20s. For the last decade or so, John has been a much better older brother, regularly reaching out to Blake to catch up and spend time together. Blake still carries a lot of pain associated with his relationship with us. Every few years, we talk through his feelings, most recently this past Labor Day. The gist is that he yearns for a close relationship with us, but has a hard time because he doesn't have a history of being in that role with us. 
John and I have been ready to have a normal, loving, happy siblinghood with Blake for a long while, but Blake insists that we are only going through the motions if we do reach out, ostracizing him, being unworthy of trust, and otherwise still inflicting the pain he's experienced all of his life. How do we break out of this cycle? Thanks, Danica. Well, Danica is right. There is a real cycle there, and I think it might be perpetuating into the present still, because it just sounds like she and John have so much of a closer relationship and that Blake feels it. He felt it in childhood and he feels it still. And they can say, we want to have a loving, happy sibling relationship. But if he feels that it's the two of them plus him, rather the three of them, then he's still going to have those feelings. And to the extent that those are her feelings, then he probably is picking up something accurate. That's right. And when she says that she wants to have a normal, loving, happy siblinghood with Blake, I wonder if part of the problem is that she and John haven't really taken full responsibility for the extent of the pain that they caused him in childhood. It's almost like they want to create a situation that doesn't take into account their history. And she says they grew up in a household with scarce parental attention. And that meant that as the youngest for Blake, he really looked up to his siblings as parental figures. And so that kind of rejection wasn't just coming from siblings who were older, but from parental figures, in addition to the actual rejection from the parental figures who weren't around. Right. I think that there's still a lot of unresolved issues that are very painful for him. And I want to find out how willing she and John have been to be able to not just listen to Blake's feelings, but be able to take responsibility and see what they can do to affect some kind of repair in adulthood that doesn't take away what happened, but that can move them forward. Right. I think just saying, now we're going to treat you normally is not sufficient. There's some makeup to be done. So let's talk to her. You're listening to Dear Therapists from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Therapist. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. 
Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. I'm Lori Gottlieb. And I'm Guy Winch. And this is Dear Therapists. Hi, Danica. Hi, Lori. Hey, Guy. Hello. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. So, Danica, we read your letter and you were talking about this cycle that you seem to be in with Blake. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about these conversations that you've been having and what those conversations are like when you do talk about what happened in your childhood. So the conversations are very emotionally laden, just like very loaded. It's mostly my younger brother talking through his experiences and my older brother and I trying to listen and trying to figure out what it is that he needs to hear from us to help move the situation forward. When you say it's mostly him talking, can you tell us who brought it up? And if it was Blake, what does he say? I just want to hear a little bit of the back and forth to get a sense of how that discussion actually happens. This most recent time, he actually told my sister-in-law that he was still very troubled by the dynamics in our family. And then she told us, so then we knew. And then I told my mom, and she she then really just had her heart set on her kids having another conversation to work things out. We knew we were going to be hanging out for Labor Day and we just all were planning on, okay, Labor Day is going to be when we're going to have another conversation to hash through everything. Danica, you say she wanted her kids to have this conversation. You mean your mom wanted the three of you to have this conversation? Yes, but it wasn't that we would only have it because she wanted us to. John and I are always willing to talk with Blake about any of this. In the past, we would talk, and I think that she wasn't necessarily aware of those conversations, but this time she wanted to be there. I'm really interested in the fact that your mom wants you to have these conversations. I wonder, given your childhood, you describe it as being very difficult with your parents not really being present and leaving you kids to your own devices. Have you and your mom, and I don't know where your father is in this as well, had a conversation about what happened for all of you in your childhood? Not really. It's taken for granted in our family that my dad would work and then come home and watch TV didn't really help. He acknowledges that. And then my mom would also come home around six or seven, make dinner, and then just kind of be in the the scramble at night, getting us um, ready and off to bed. She just knows that she was very busy and didn't have very much attention for us growing up. So it's known in the family. It's known because she and your father have said we worked a lot and we had to work a lot and that's why we weren't there. Or it's known because it was obvious from what happened. The former. They know like we we worked a lot. We were just doing our best. We know that we didn't have much time necessarily. Could you tell us a little bit about what Blake actually says to you in these conversations, what he voices as his complaints or his concerns and how you and John respond? 
I think the main thing he says is he feels like my older brother and I were siblings and, and we have in our heads a sense of what it means to be a brother and a sister. For him, when he shows up, it's just like he's there. He's, he's not really participating. He doesn't know how to step into the role of being this happy, loving brother. He kind of knows how to play act it, but it doesn't really feel all that authentic. And he feels like my older brother doesn't empathize with how his experience was growing up. And then for me, he says that I'm too inconsistent as a sister towards him. When he voices that, how do you respond to Blake? Blake asked us repeatedly, what does it mean to you to be a sibling to me? Like, what what can he really count on from us? So we tell him it means that we're, we're people who share a history together. We're there for each other. We love each other. We share life updates. And if we need help, then we ask each other for help and we help each other. That might be a nice definition of siblings if you didn't have the history that you have. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm interested in what he's feeling hurt by. And he, he said two specific things. He said he feels like John doesn't empathize with him and he feels like you are inconsistent. Yes. And so when he says that, how do you address that with him, the inconsistency? I asked him, would it help if we just have a regular time that we talk? And he said, yes. So we're going to start there. Since Labor Day, I've been just texting him on and off. But then we're going to just have a monthly video call. So I'm in a just very busy part of life um, right now with family and work. He is too, so I think that's part of the inconsistency. That's the concrete thing that I offered to see if it would help. Is there a consistency that you have with John that you don't have with Blake, and what does that look like? We don't have anything scheduled, but I do definitely just message John naturally. Like, it doesn't take any effort or planning because John and I are close. I count him as one of my best friends and someone who is just on the same wavelength as I am. We're really into politics, for example, so I'll just send him a message with whatever news is going on. So in that sense, the consistency is there um, and it's not, you know, forced or planned at all. It sounds like that when Blake says to you, you're inconsistent, Danica, then you think he means, well, you don't call me regularly enough or you don't initiate contact regularly enough. It's possible. I'm not sure what he means. And and when he says to John that he's not empathetic enough, I'm not sure if John understands exactly what Blake means by that. So how much do you actually ask him questions? Blake, tell us more about what consistency would look like. Blake, tell me, this is John speaking, Blake, tell Uh me where you feel my lack of empathy 
where you feel I should have more compassion, where you feel I should have more understanding. How much do you ask him to really explain what he's actually talking about in a very granular way? I think that both John and I try to do what you're saying. And what I recall is that it was a lot of I don't knows from Blake. Like, like we would say, well, what does family look like for you? And it would be I don't know. I think because what he's trying to convey to you is a feeling. And the feeling that he has is that I'm not part of this group still. I don't feel I have the closeness with you, Danica, that John has. I don't feel that I have the closeness with you, John, that Danica has. And I don't know how to feel more accepted and more that I belong within that circle of siblings. It's possible he doesn't articulate that, but my suspicion is that's what he's talking about. He just doesn't feel apart. Yes, that's completely accurate. There's a difference between a conversation that goes like, Blake saying to you, Danica, I feel like you're inconsistent with me. And because you want to help, you're saying, okay, well then let's have a video call every month. Versus a conversation that goes like, Danica, I I think there's this inconsistency that you have with me. And you're saying, tell me more about what you mean by that. And he might say, I don't know, the first few times. But I think what he's getting at is that there's something that hasn't been healed between the three of you. And there's something that he's wanting, and maybe he doesn't know how to articulate it. And one of the very first things you said when we first started talking today was, you don't know what he needs to hear from you. And I have a feeling that one thing he hasn't maybe heard from you is a real sense of, we were terrible to you. We take responsibility for that. What have those conversations been like where you go back and and take full responsibility for the extent of the pain that you caused him as a child? I have done that, like just acknowledged how awful I was to him. For me also, it's very emotional, you know, to say that, yes, I I was awful. You were very much on your own as like a five or a six-year-old. Yes, I did ignore you, didn't play with you. I didn't say this in the most recent time we talked, but to have said that I wish you weren't born, you know, to a little kid like that. And I have said that I'm sorry. How does he respond to that? I held his hands and I cried and, and told him, how, what a small thing it is to just share some blood with somebody and be siblings, but also how how big of a thing it is and how, you know, it's like important. So he cried as well, but the conversations that I had with him afterwards, it was still a lot of railing on his part against how he perceives my role and what I think Guy is describing, like still making him feel like an outsider. We had, at least on the surface, a perfectly fine relationship for several years into adulthood. And then within the past two years or so, he kind of cut me off. And I asked and he said, I do still 
somehow reinforce the same dynamics that have been in place our whole lives. How does he think you reinforce those patterns from childhood, even though you're trying so hard not to? Um, I think he does definitely pick up. I mean, I even told him. John and I, we just have a lot in common and we just naturally gravitate towards each other as friends. And I think it really pains him that if we weren't siblings with him, we probably would not be friends. If we'd all met in the work setting or something, like John and I would probably just like hang out. Mm -hmm. But Blake would not be part of that because we're just different. But that's the thing. He says, I feel like an outsider. Mm -hmm. And your response is, well, you know, John and I are closer and we have more in common. So that's a natural thing that we would be closer. But that's the wound for him. Well, one of them. And so that might be the reality. But his feeling is probably, well, there are lots of siblings that don't have a ton in common, but they still have a really close bond. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't feel that close bond. How much do you really know him as an adult? How much do you talk to him about his life or about other things that go on with him Mm -hmm. to really get to know who this person is these days? I would say that there was a period of time. So he's in his early 30s, maybe early 20s to later 20s when I would just call him. We would talk. We were both dating then. So we'd complain about dating together and we would talk about our jobs and whatever we were stressed about. So at that point, I would say I knew his day-to-day pretty well. Even now, I feel like I know him at a fundamental level, just in terms of his personality and generally what he's interested in. But I don't know his day-to-day that well. So for the last couple years, I would call him, not that frequently, maybe like once a month or once every couple months, and he wouldn't pick up. Like he just at that point, I think, was in the mode where he felt like he wanted to distance from me. So it's interesting, because when you describe that, oh, he was dating, I was dating, we would talk about, you know, uh, complaints about dating, and that's just fodder for so many conversations. Mm-hmm. But he must have felt at that point, like, oh, like we're buddies now. Like, you know, this is something we have in common. We're going through it together in some kind of way. It's probably the kind of thing that he was looking for in terms of feeling close and that he has stuff in common with you and that you're mutually interested in one another. When did that end? When the dating kind of ended? It wasn't like anything conscious on my end to have that stop. It was just I had my first kid and just got really busy. Of course, you know, he could probably say, well, you still talk with John through all of that, didn't you? But even before your first kid, I'm assuming there was a relationship that happened before that, that took you out of the dating game. So you lost that common touch point. Did he enter into a relationship around that time or soon thereafter? Is he in one now? He actually broke up pretty soon after that. And then that was a very hard breakup for him, I think. So it was actually at that point where on both sides, we just ended up talking less. After the breakup, because you would think Uh that's when he would need more support. Were you concerned about him or did you think about him as he was going through this really tough breakup? Yeah. I mean, I reached out to ask how he was doing probably more than once, you know, just like checking in. And I've always been interested in just knowing 
what's going on with his dating life. So I would just periodically call and ask him about that and how it's going. Where do you think John was in all of this? You said it wasn't until later that John changed his orientation toward Blake. You guys were sort of talking about dating and you were having a bit of a closer relationship. Where was John in his relationship with Blake at that time? John starting in like late 20s. And so Blake was early 20s. John would start to just reach out and see if Blake wanted to hang out and call him periodically. So I think John was around. I live in another state, so I don't have that close of a view into things. But my understanding is John would just periodically call him and see if he was also going to be hanging out with our parents on, you know, around the holidays and that sort of thing. But do you think, for example, during the breakup that John was reaching out to him too, or that he would be able to talk to his older brother about what he was going through? Not extensively, but I think some. Like after the breakup, Blake actually stayed at John's house for a period of, I don't know, a week or something like that. Is Blake in a relationship now? Has he had relationships since that breakup? He is in a relationship now, yes. And do you know his partner? I've only met her once, and I think she's darling. So I really like her. I met her over Labor Day. They've been dating for almost a year now, but Blake has actually said he is really nervous about having us meet her, get to know her. He said it's because it's upon further reflection that... He realized how much of a role I play in continuing to isolate him, I guess. I can see in your face how much you really want things to be better between the two of you, at least. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's very clear. You wrote the letter. This is what you want to figure out. What's interesting is that he keeps saying you're not consistent enough. I'm worried about your influence still, about making me an outsider. I'm hesitant to introduce you to the partner. Mm -hmm. And I'm not hearing you say to him, you know, Blake, you keep feeling rejected by me and I'm not sure when that's happening or how that's happening. Could you help me understand? Because that's not my intention and it must be happening if you're feeling that way, but I, I need your help in understanding mm -hmm. in what way. I haven't said those exact things to him, but I'm happy to try. Well, there seems to be this divide that's existed since childhood. And even though you and John have tried to become closer and more inclusive with him, he's still feeling very much how he felt as a child. Mm -hmm. And that makes me wonder, too, a little bit about not only what patterns are persisting since childhood, but also how have the three of you worked through whatever you experienced in childhood with your parents? So we talked a little bit about how your mom and dad acknowledged that they worked a lot. Did anybody talk about what went on with the siblings with your parents? Are they aware of what went on with Blake? And have you and John come to terms in some way with what happened in childhood in a way that maybe Blake hasn't? Because it's not just a sibling issue for Blake, that he was so young that you two were sort of like surrogate parents to him. And so he was rejected not just by siblings, but also by 
the closest thing he had to someone older than him who could take care of him in some way. Mm-hmm. And you two were a little bit older and maybe you came to whatever terms you came to with what happened as children. And you seem to have a good relationship, at least with your mom. I'm not sure where things are with your dad, but I don't know what Blake has done in terms of coming to terms with that. And, and do you have any understanding or knowledge from him about where he stands now as an adult vis-a-vis your parents? I think he actually said for a long time, he just hated my dad. And now he doesn't hate my dad, but just kind of an indifference, which to be honest, is kind of in the boat that I'm in as well. With my mom, she's a really amazing woman in a lot of ways, very loving, and she tried her best. So for me, I feel like I made peace with that. And then for him, she's the the sole person who gave him the the love and nurturing that a child should receive. So I don't think he has any kind of anger towards her. If anything, he's very defensive on her behalf. Like if we suggest that there were certain things where she may have fell short, he's very defensive about her. So he feels that he was taken care of by your mom? I would say that he agrees that we were neglected to some degree, but then he very quickly says, well, that was the best that she could do. Can you tell us a little bit more about why there's this anger toward your dad? Because so far you've told us that they both worked a lot and weren't there, but what was the difference between how your mom was and how your dad was when you were growing up? He had a very short temper. He would yell at us. When we were younger, he would hit us. He didn't participate much in the things that you do to raise children. He really did just work and then watch TV a lot of the time. So I think for me at least, and probably for my younger brother, we just felt like he was abusive of our mom even, not verbally or physically, but in terms of having her be a single parent. Are they still married? Yes. Have you ever talked to your dad about how you feel about his role in your childhood? Not specifically how absent he was. Or his anger or, you know, the hitting or any of that? I mean, it's like known. Even my dad would see how I am with my kids, for example, or how my husband is with our kids and say, like, I know I was nothing like that when you guys were growing up. And I know I have your mom to thank for everything for for how well our family has turned out because I was so absent and now I'm trying to make up for it how I can. Like, he would say things like that. Mm. Are you letting him make up for it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I love to have my kids interact with him and like he would come and help me regularly with things that I have going on in my life. I try to show him affection how I can. Back to Blake for a minute. What are the things about him that you like, respect, admire, feel you have commonality with? Tell me what the touch points are. He's a very caring person. He's a school psychologist. I think it's pretty amazing to work with the population of kids that he works with. I think that he's a very reliable and 
loyal person, and he has certain goals that he works towards steadily, like financial goals and health goals. When we were relating on a pretty comfortable basis, he was just kind of like a good person for me to bounce my feelings or thoughts off mm-hmm. of. So it sounds like there is enough of a foundation there. Uh huh. For a closer relationship on your end, because what comes across in the letter, and it came across when you talk about John, uh-huh. is that the connection with John is so much deeper, so much more profound, so it's at a, such a different level than the connection with Blake was, is, or could be even. And I'm not sure if that's how you really feel, but that's what comes across. Yeah. And then when you talk about Blake, then it sounds like there actually could be a real connection at a deeper level. So that's what I'm a little confused by. And when I think about the kinds of things you talk about in terms of commonalities, so with John, you love to talk about politics, which isn't deep interpersonal types of things, but it's fun. You guys love that. With Blake, you said, well, I ran things by him, you know, emotional things you ran by him. And maybe because he's a school psychologist and he's very interested in people's inner lives, he's a really good person for that. And I have a feeling that in your family, even though there's so much love there, you know, you've said about a few things, it's just understood. We don't Uh really talk about it. It's just understood in our family. But Blake is somebody who wants to talk about certain things. And he's also somebody who's very insightful and wise in that way probably because of what he's been through. And so how nice to have a sibling that you can bounce things off of in that way. And so when I think about the differences between what you have in common with John and what you have in common with Blake, they're different kinds of things. Yeah. With John, we just think similarly, which can be a good or a bad thing, you know? So uh, Yes, talking with Blake definitely would give me a different perspective on things. And that is something that I liked about having Blake also kind of in my corner. I think maybe what you're saying to me is that it does sound to you as though there's enough between me and Blake for us to have like a satisfying close relationship on both sides. And I would actually completely agree with you on that. There's a perception that you have that you and John are a unit and Blake is your plus one in terms of a sibling. And I think that probably you have to challenge that perception a bit in your head because it's not really leaving a lot of room for Blake to rise in the hierarchy, as it were, and to become one of three rather than two and one. And also, it's very different to talk about something that has to do with other people, like your friends or people at work, than what's going on between the two of us. And I think where Blake lives is in this place of, I want to address what's gone on and what goes on between the two of us. (laughs) And that might be the harder thing in your family to talk about. And maybe you and John could talk about what goes on between the two of you, but it's not so fraught. But with Blake, there's decades of history. And I think that that's going to need to be addressed in a much more direct way Uh in order for both of you to have more trust and be able to open up and for you to be able to see him through new eyes, 
not of this sibling that was problematic because he was annoying to you and you didn't have anybody to take care of you anyway. And so you didn't want to have to take care of a younger sibling or deal with him when it wasn't really appropriate for you to, because you were very young. But to see him now as someone that is a really interesting person. And we really do have lots of things that we could talk about that would be enjoyable, that wouldn't be forced, that would feel organic. Uh huh. But I think you have to make sure that these other things get talked about directly. So Danica, we think you need to have a conversation with Blake that has several parts to it. The first part is to really acknowledge what happened in childhood and to apologize for it, but in a way that actually takes responsibility. By saying something like, Blake, you know, it was very difficult for you as a kid. Mom and dad were out of the house most of the day. You had two older siblings that were like parental figures. And instead of protecting you, instead of looking out for you, we were abusive to you. We made you feel marginalized and bad and terrible. And you had no one to protect you there. And I can only imagine how horrible that was for you. You're a school psychologist. You go to school every day and you work with kids who are being damaged emotionally. It must be a daily reminder of what your experience was growing up with us. And I feel so bad for that. And I really want to apologize for it in the way that you know that I am aware of how damaging that was for you and how much it left scars that you're dealing with probably today. And it certainly left them in our relationship. And there was childhood and then there was stuff that happened after childhood. And one of the things that I think is important to happen between you is for you to acknowledge that he isn't crazy, that what he's perceiving about feeling left out, about feeling that you and John have something that he doesn't, that without intending to, you've perpetuated that into adulthood. And if you can acknowledge that to him and say, I know that there are ways in which I have continued to marginalize you. And the I is very important here because you're not speaking for John. You're trying to create a direct relationship with Blake. So it's not always you and John, that it's you and Blake in this moment. And so one of the things that you can say is that I realize that I have perpetuated this dynamic of you being excluded and when I've been thinking about that, I've been thinking about all that we do have in common and how much I haven't communicated that to you and all that I admire about you. Here are the things I admire about you, the things you mentioned to us earlier about he's thoughtful, he's compassionate, all of the qualities that you mentioned. And you can say to him, I have not been proactive in trying to get to know you as an adult, in trying to have a closer relationship with you as an adult in this way. And I would really like to do that. You have this partner that I think is delightful. I don't know if you know that. And I really want to open up that door for us so that I can get to know you better as an adult. And it's on me. I, I need to be doing that. I want to be doing that. 
I don't think you know how much I care about you or how interested I am in you and your life. Mm-hmm. And you could even say at the end, I want to do the work here. All I need from you is to know that you're willing to have an open mind and give me the chance mm-hmm. to show you what I haven't been able to show you all these years. Mm-hmm. And I want to know if you're willing to give me that chance. I would ask him directly. And hopefully he'll say yes. And so that's one task we want you to accomplish this week. And here's the other uh, task we'd like you to at least set up, but if you could execute, that would be even better. Is say to him, and part of that is, I do think your, your partner is delightful. I'm really interested in getting to know her. And I would love to set up a Zoom dinner with you and her and my husband and I, the four of us, as two siblings and their spouses, just to have dinner and just talk. Mm-hmm. Maybe this weekend, if we can. Because the best way to show Blake that you want to have the relationship with him is to do it authentically. And that means get to know the partner, hang out as couples. And the one thing I would not do in this entire conversation, unless he brings it up, is don't mention John. Mm-hmm. John is not a part of this. It's you, because you can't mend it if it's for you and John, because that just puts you and John together again. So no John in this conversation, just you and Blake. Does that sound doable? You have such great ideas. I'm so glad you're smiling. <laughs> Sometimes we give ideas and people look at us like, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that all makes sense. You look willing. I'm so glad. And I think the reason that you're smiling is because we're not asking you to do anything that you haven't been thinking or feeling. You've been saying, I really want to have a different relationship with Blake, but you've had it in your mind that I have so much in common with John and I don't have anything in common with Blake. And then when you talk to us, it's a completely different story. Uh So we want you to move out of your fixed belief for a little bit here. Uh And to say, wait a minute, I need to get to know who Blake is because already without having done the work, there's so much that I think we would enjoy talking about with each other. But once I actually put in the effort to get to know him, I'll bet there's so much more. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck. We look forward to hearing how it goes. I think she's tried so hard in a lot of ways to say, well, how can I include you? Maybe we can do a Zoom call once a month, right? And that's not what he's wanting. And so that's why he hasn't been able to articulate it because I think at the core, what he's wanting is her love. And he doesn't know how to say that. He doesn't know how to say, I want to feel loved by you. And I think that opening the door in this way and saying, look, I feel terrible about what happened. I can imagine what you experienced. And I also see the ways in which I'm perpetuating that now, and I want to change that. That's how you make someone feel loved. And a really important part here is that she cannot do that with John in the room. He has to be not present for them to really connect. And so I hope that will help as well. Yeah, we really have to help them separate out the sibling relationships. Sometimes siblings get so tangled up in the coalitions between the siblings. And so John will have whatever relationship he's going to have with Blake. And maybe Danica's relationship with Blake, as it improves, will encourage John to reach out and have a different relationship with Blake. Right, to model it for him. Exactly. But right now, I think there's so much possibility between Danica and Blake. So I'm really looking forward to hearing how this week goes for them. 
You're listening to Dear Therapist from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. So, Guy, we heard back from Danica But we should probably share with people before we listen to that, that she actually wrote to our producer during the week and had some questions about the assignment we gave her. Yeah, it was a really interesting letter. And why don't we let our producer, Mike, read it? Hi, Mike. So sorry. I was hoping you could forward to Lori and Guy a question for clarification on my homework. I just wanted to ask if it's okay and how to tweak this so that it reflects the goal that I have for this relationship. I want to have what is probably a pretty typical kind of sibling relationship where there's mutual warmth and periodic enjoyment, but not a bosom buddy kind of relationship. I want to be closer, but not necessarily close. This isn't because I de facto have something against him or view him as deficient. I know you're encouraging me to see Blake differently, but I really don't think our sensibilities jive. So it's laborious to have conversations past a certain point. It's difficult because whether I find him to be an interesting or engaging person is a major source of pain and insecurity for him. But on my side, I don't know how I can really force feeling interest. I'm as interested in him as I am in my sister and brothers-in-law, which means we are perfectly happy and excited to see each other and catch up periodically. If this is the case, how can I really help Blake's pain over the fact that John and I do just jive, while Blake and I aren't similar in that way? Does the suggested approach still apply in this case? Thank you for any clarification, Danica. So what we told Mike is to tell Danica that we gave her the suggestion of what we think she should do. What she does and what she wants to do is truly up to her. And we left it in her hands. And that's why I am super curious to hear this voicemail. Hi, Lori. Hi, Guy. I wanted to send you an update on how things have been going with Blake. So I had a couple talks with him. The first, he was on his way to a camping trip. So the whole conversation was only 25 minutes or so. I apologized for how I treated him when we were kids, continuing to marginalize him outside of the dyad I have with my older brother, and expressed what I admire and enjoy about him and let him know that I wanted to put in the effort to build a relationship with him. 
And it went really well. He said something like, wow, that was a lot better than what I expected. And he really did sound happy and just lighter than our past few interactions have been. And then a week later, I had another call with him. It wasn't a video chat double date. He wanted to talk, just the two of us. So we caught up and circled back to our relationships and childhood. One thing that we talked about a lot was the idea that I was in the role of a pseudo-parent as a kid. And it's interesting because he seems to vac vacillate between saying he wants us to be equals, just siblings, not little brother, older sister, and then also saying he wants an older sister, someone who looks out for him, goes out of her way to make him feel wanted and worth the effort to know. And I honestly didn't quite understand what he wanted before, but the thought of going back and trying to be a better pseudo-parent makes sense to me. I kind of think of it as if we were tennis partners, I would lob 75% of the balls for a while and let him lob 25%. So we would work up to 50-50 eventually. And I just think that it's so neat that my dyad with him and my family has gotten so much out of talking with you for just an hour or so. And I really want to thank you for helping us. I hope this podcast helps other listeners out there, especially as we go into the holidays. So thank you so much. So when I heard that email, it felt to me like Danica was experiencing a lot of resistance to connecting with Blake. And I wasn't really sure what that was about, but she had every excuse in the book. You know, we're really not simpatico. I'm not really sure what we have in common. John and I just naturally click, which is everything that Blake is so upset about. And so it was almost like after a conversation, which is not uncommon, she went back to square one because whatever defenses against whatever she was feeling cropped up brought her back there. And what we did as therapists was what we would do with any client who came to see us, which is here was the conversation and you make of it what you will and we'll talk about it next week. And that's what we did with her. And that's the thing about someone's old story, old script. It's really strong. So they sit in the session, they get the advice, but when they leave, it starts to creep back and it starts to dominate their thoughts. And then she goes back to, but wait, you know, really the old way of thinking in that email, it was almost like we hadn't had the discussion with her. But the way I felt about the voicemail once I heard it is exactly like Blake. Oh, well, that meant so much better than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And you can see why he thought that, because everything that she said there was probably communicated verbally or non-verbally to Blake in some way. And then when she sat with it a little bit more, which is what happens with people, she was able to access the other version of the story. And there was more to the story. And she said he was very interested in this idea of her being a bit of a parentified older sister and having that role. And I think that's in part what he was responding to, that he felt so happy and so much lighter because that's her owning much more of the impact than she had previously by just saying, sorry, I was mean to you when we were kids. Right. And it was nice to hear that he doesn't want that forever. What he wants is an equal relationship, but that there's a lot of catching up to do. 
And as they try to repair this relationship, they're going to have to go through different phases of it. I thought it was really interesting when she said in her email, I want to be closer, but not necessarily close. There's something that she gets out of this too. So it wasn't just that Blake got something out of it and he felt better. You could hear in her voicemail, she felt better. And the part that she's going to have to really explore a little bit more is why is it scary for her to get close to him? Because there was so much resistance to that. And why is it scary for her to actually feel some positive feelings toward Blake and to connect with him the way she connects with John. Now, maybe she'll never connect with Blake in the same way that she connects with John, but it seems like even she is aware, particularly after having these conversations, that there is a lot of room for connection there. And so what was that resistance about? That's going to be something for her to understand better. She must have been somewhat apprehensive, like she's opening a can of worms. I really feel like she is afraid that she is going to be confronted by getting closer to him with maybe her guilt about how she treated him. Maybe it's going to bring up some uncomfortable feelings in her. But I think if she can not self-flagellate over that and really be the sister that he's always wanted her to be, that they're both going to grow so much from this experience. The last thing she said that I really liked is she said, yes, I'll have to lob 75% of the balls for now, which is a great way to illustrate that she totally gets that, yes, the burden of proof is on me, because this is in part what Blake was communicating to her. It's nice that you're saying this. It makes me feel really, really good. I need to see it in action for a little bit before I can really believe it. And he's right. He should see it in action and she should deliver it in action. And I hope she will indeed do that because that will really start to realign that relationship. And the fact that she had the conversation with him without John, that it wasn't the siblings as a dyad talking to Blake. And I think that they will do that double date at some point, meaning Blake and his partner and Danica and her partner. So they can start to establish adult sibling relationships that are not about the three siblings and those dynamics, but about Danica and Blake and their partners, and their adult lives. That will also be a game changer. And I think this shows us that despite how difficult that childhood was for Blake, for Danica and John too, but for Blake especially, it's never too late, if your heart is in the right place, to do the repair. Hey, fellow travelers. If you've used any of our advice from the podcast in your own life, Send us a quick voice memo to Laurie and Guy at iHeartMedia.com and tell us about it. We may include it in a future show. And if you're enjoying our podcast each week, please help support Dear Therapists. You can tell your friends about it, and we'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help people find the show. You can follow us both online. I'm at LaurieGottlieb.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at LaurieGottlieb1, or on Instagram at Lori Gottlieb underscore author. And I'm at GuyWinch.com. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at GuyWinch. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, big or small, email us at Guy at iHeartMedia.com. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. We're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to Samuel Benefield and to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric. Next week, a man struggles to trust his wife again after she has an affair. She said, I'm sorry for everything I've done. I know you were hurt. 
I would like to work it out with you. Could you give me a chance? I said, why do you want to come back? The last time I saw you, I pushed you out. Why? I just don't understand this. Dear Therapist is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now.